Hello, Tom Myers here. If you're like me and you've got a lot to say, a lot of stories to share, a lot of opinions to give, then listen up. I'm going to talk about something that's going to take your passion for podcasts to the next level. I'm talking about the 7 Million Bikes podcast course. This is the podcasting course you need. Imagine having the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence to create, produce, and grow a successful podcast. And you're not doing it alone. I'm talking about Neil Mackay, the podcast guy, founder of 7 Million Bikes Podcasts. He knows what it takes to turn your passion into a podcast that stands out. He's going to guide you through everything from podcast ideas that resonate to nailing that audio production and even editing your episodes like a pro. With 23 tutorials and over three hours of video content, this course is packed with practical tips, real-world examples, and everything you need to know to get started. Just $97 for a wealth of knowledge that'll set you up for podcasting success it's a no-brainer think about it less than a hundred bucks to unleash your creativity share your story and potentially even turn your passion into a profitable business people like ian payton who's taken the course launched their own podcast and already in the top 10 percent of podcasts worldwide and you could be next the seven million bikes podcast course is your ticket to podcasting greatness. Go to the link in my show notes right now and let's make your podcasting dream a reality. Hi, I'm A.A. Ron, the owner and producer of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. Bombing Run, the original comedy combat game show. It's an hour's worth of comedians clashing with their jokes. And soon to be released, Orbs Wacky World, a talk show with a twist. It will be a mix of comedy, unusual questions and music with orb as the host oddly funny productions we might be odd but we bring the funny to you that's a-w-d-l-y funny productions hey everyone it's me again if you're tired of listening to this show with all these ads in the way go ahead and subscribe to my patreon in addition to listening to this show without the ads you also get extended versions of these episodes and bonus clips as well doesn't cost that much you can get plans for as low as one dollar a month you can show the love and your support just go to patreon.com slash tom myers spelled m-y-e-r-s and subscribe and listen and enjoy today again that's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Tom Myers versus the rest of the world. This is 2023 Best of and Unheard Bits. So far, part four. In this episode, you will hear some of our favorite moments, plus some bits that didn't quite make the initial error. Joining me tonight are Jeff Heisen, Gina Brown, Light Kitty, Michelle Wojcikowski, Chip Jones, Lucy Strasball, David Kay, Jess Feeney, Alexa Shudo, Lynn Delmani, and Jamie Black. Happened since last week, Jim Jordan has been denied Speaker of the House for yet another round. It's hard to know who's yelled no at Jim Jordan more. House Republicans or his wrestling students? <laughs> the only way Jim Jordan will get the Speaker's gavel will be if he gets one off of Etsy. In fact, if Jim Jordan tried to win a Speaker's gavel from one of those claw machines... The claw inside the machine would transform itself and give Jim Jordan the middle finger. 
<laughs> Jim Jordan is basically the comic who keeps showing up at the New York City Club despite not having met his bringer requirement. <laughs> That's for the back of the room. <laughs> and all my Spotify listeners, basically. <laughs> the fact that Republicans have trouble choosing one of their own to be Speaker of the House indicates one thing. They're finally in touch with American voters. <laughs> the campaign for the position of Speaker has gone from Kevin McCarthy to Steve Scalise to Jim Jordan to Tom Emmer. Now that he's dropped out, it'll probably go to Byron Donalds, Matt Gates. It's basically like playing hot potato, except when the music stops, the potato explodes to reveal that it is filled with loose fecal matter. <laughs> Three of Donald Trump's attorneys, Sidney Powell, Kenneth Cheesebro, and Jenna Ellis, pled guilty in the Georgia 2020 election interference case. It's fitting to know that they showed the same loyalty to Trump that Trump showed when he said he would join his supporters at the Capitol. <laughs> After Sidney Powell's plea deal was set, Cheesebro was set to be the only defendant to go to trial in Atlanta this week before he decided to plead out. In addition to Trump, no one is more disappointed about this than the tabloid papers who just missed out on the headline, The Cheese Stands Alone. <laughs> That's the cleanest joke you're going to hear all season, so if you didn't like that, tough shit. <laughs> A lot's happened since we've been on the air last. Donald Trump testified in court this week in his New York civil fraud trial. The judge accused him of campaigning from the witness stand when he was supposed to be answering questions. It must have been a surreal scene. Trump campaigning in a room with no Confederate flags or Nazi insignia. <laughs> there were still signs of racism and white supremacy in the courtroom, as the justice system still requires that police officers be stationed there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Mike Johnson is the new Speaker of the House. If the Republicans wanted to elect someone unassuming for the office, they've managed to do it. Mike Johnson looks like the type of person who would have to show ID before he's allowed at Christmas dinner. <laughs> Mike Johnson is the type of person who, if you took a photo with him, then when you look at the photo, it would be difficult to tell whether it's really Mike Johnson or a cardboard cutout. Yeah. <laughs> now that he's speaker, he's going to have to negotiate things with the White House and with the Senate. He's going to have to negotiate aid for Ukraine and Israel and keep the government from shutting down. He's so conservative. He'll be there with Biden, Schumer, Hakeem Jeffries, even Mitch McConnell. They'll be trying to find solutions to these problems. And Mike Johnson will be going, now, before we agree to any terms, let's solve this pressing issue of playing video games on the Lord's Day. <laughs> <laughs> The Republicans elected a speaker who is so religious that he can't even say he has a mandate because if one House Republican utters the word mandate, they'll be sent to Jesus camp. <laughs> and just when they had gotten used to using it, only when they were sure Lauren Boebert had left the room. Oh. <laughs> well, the Supreme Court issued new guidelines and a code of ethics of which the justices themselves will hold themselves accountable. That's not a code of ethics if they aren't going to be enforcing them. That would be like telling a child who is obsessed with setting fires not to play with a lighter before giving him a five-pack of lighters for his birthday. <laughs> That's like 
OJ Simpson announcing he's getting married again. It's a bit like giving Bill Cosby a gift certificate for a speed dating service. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) it's a bit like Harvey Weinstein saying he's going to cast a reboot of Charlie's Angels. It would be like a president of the United States appointing members of his cabinet from the pool of commenters on Reddit forums. (laughs) Again, (laughs) South Carolina Senator Tim Scott dropped out of the presidential race owing to the fact that he wasn't going to get any support from conservatives whose opinion of black people hasn't changed since Reconstruction. It would have been awkward having Tim Scott be the president of the United States. Imagine a president of the United States getting pulled over by his own Secret Service detail. (laughs) (laughs) Jacob Chansley, the January 6th defendant known as the QAnon shaman, is running for Congress in Arizona. Finally, someone who will make John Fetterman look dressy. (laughs) It's going to be hard to explain to your constituents that you're missing votes because you're currently being traded by your cellmate for cigarettes. (laughs) he's reportedly since renounced the QAnon conspiracy theories so now he's known simply as the prison butt sex shaman (laughs) the SAG after strike has been resolved and actors can go back to work except for Vin Diesel nobody will know the difference (laughs) Joe Biden celebrated his 81st birthday he made several jokes about his age of course he had to clean them up a bit for the White House press score. So as a result, he didn't tell dad jokes, but great granddad jokes. And that's the only dad joke I'm telling this whole season, I promise. <laughs> Biden's age became a bit of an issue online when during the annual Thanksgiving turkey pardoning, he confused Britney Spears with Taylor Swift. I'm only 40, but I find that easy to do as I've masturbated to both. Oh, <laughs> oh. I figure that makes up for the one dad joke that I'll do all season. (laughs) A car exploded on the Rainbow Bridge at the Canadian border near Niagara Falls. It's almost as if someone said they wanted to go over the falls in a barrel and someone else said, here, hold my Molson's and watch this. (laughs) Investigators said there was no sign of terrorism, but that, of course, didn't stop Fox from trying to push the theory. It boggles my mind how they can even report these kinds of things with a straight face. Canada is becoming a haven for terrorism. It starts with us importing Alex Trebek, Jim Carrey, and the kids in the hall. That's how they soften us up. Now they're going after our rainbow bridge. Tomorrow it's the duty free. (laughs) The Rolling Stones announced they will tour the U.S. next year and that the tour will be sponsored by AARP. In other news, Chris D'Elia will go on a tour next year and it will be sponsored by the National Sexual Assault Hotline. For years, the Republican Party was the party that stood by Israel and whoever was in charge, no matter who was prime minister. That, of course, changed, like most things, with Donald Trump, who feels no shame in publicly showing his disdain for Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, as we can see in these two clips. The first from his time in the Oval Office and the other just recently on the campaign trail. I think Sleepy Joe could have made this deal, baby? Sleepy Joe. I think, uh, do you think he would have made this deal somehow? I don't think so. Well, Mr. President, one thing I can tell you is um, uh, we appreciate the help for peace from anyone in America, and we appreciate what you've done enormously. Yeah. We followed the whole thing, and 
About 15 seconds later, it was all over, and we did it. But I'll never forget, I'll never forget that Bibi Netanyahu let us down. That was a very terrible thing, I will say that. And uh, so when I see uh, sometimes uh, the intelligence, you talk about the intelligence, or you talk about some of the things that went wrong over the last week, uh, they've got to straighten it out because they're fighting potentially a very big force. They're fighting potentially Iran. And when they have people saying the wrong things, everything they say is being digested by these people because they're vicious and they're smart. And boy, are they vicious because nobody's ever seen the kind of sight that we've seen. Nobody's ever seen it. But they cannot play games. So we were disappointed by that, very disappointed. But we did the job ourselves, and it was absolute precision, magnificent, beautiful job. And then uh, Bibi tried to take credit for it. That wasn't good. That didn't make me feel too good, but that's all right. So they got to strengthen themselves up. I like how in the first clip, you know, Trump made that Sleepy Joe moniker. And then Mm -hmm. ironically enough, in the next clip, he's the one who sounds like he's staving (laughs) off death, like he's trying to put off a loan payment. With all MAGA people, anything they say about anyone else is always projection of what and who they are. Always. You Mm -hmm. can take. Yeah, it, could, it could change with the wind, you know, it's like. He sounded like his Ambien was uh, kicking in. <laughs> it's so hard to follow because it's like those people and they and we did a wonderful and it's magnificent. He there's he never really lays, he never finishes like a thought or a sentence mm-hmm. fully. And so I can't really ever follow. In two days, President Biden was able to leave Washington for Israel meet with Netanyahu and the government officials there, and return to Washington to make a nationally televised speech that evening. Despite that, there is criticism that his age and the fact that he is physically stumbled is a sign that he is not up for the job. One of those critiques comes from Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville, who has been coaching football for so long he started apparently before they have helmets, as anyone who has heard his speeches can attest. (laughs) He later gets his comeuppance, as we can see in this clip. I don't believe in karma. I guess I believe in odds. And statistically, people fall downstairs at some rate. And it might be that you are a person who someday falls down the stairs. And if you're a public figure, you might fall down the stairs when there is a camera on. And if you are a public figure who has criticized Joe Biden for falling, there is some chance you will be someone who, after criticizing Biden for falling, fall on camera yourself. And that's exactly what happened to Tommy Tuberville, Tommy Tuberville, Tuberville. He is a Republican senator. He uh, went after Biden for falling. He mocked Biden. Salon reports clip of clip of Tommy Tuberville falling downstairs elicits reminders of all the times he mocked Biden, known to crack jokes about Biden's various spills. Tuberville's own was quick to be called out. Here's the video uh, arriving on a Miami air. I guess this is some kind of charger jet. I don't know. Here's Tommy Tuberville. He's 69 years old. Remember, Biden's 80 bringing his luggage down the stairs. The luggage does look too heavy. And then he just goes down. And, in a, uh, the video is actually he didn't get hurt. Apparently, I don't like making fun of people getting hurt. He apparently didn't get hurt from what we know. The visual comedy element can't be ignored, and it's sort of almost cartoonish the way he goes down the stairs. 
and is holding on to the railings. And it's, it's visually it's really something else. So listen, I don't believe in karma. I believe in odds. And if you're going to criticize someone else for falling, humans fall and you might be the human who falls. This is not nearly as serious as Tommy Tuberville blocking military appointments for political reasons that cripple the United States because he disagrees with what most people believe about abortion. This is not nearly as serious as any of those things. But it is certainly certainly an interesting thing to see. But we've had football athletes, all Americans. I mean, if, if you look back, uh, you know, SNL made made their bones doing Gerald Ford when he missed mm-hmm. that one step. Gerald Ford was an elite all-American athlete, you know, mm-hmm. and the one time he he falls and, and some argue that's why he was not reelected is that he was he was so uh, uh, characterized as being a buffoon from falling down the stairs that he he wasn't he didn't win a second term. It's not often that a network like Fox allows dissenting views from a major political figure on live television, which makes this exchange between Sean Hannity and California Governor Gavin Newsom noteworthy. Energy independent. For By the, the way, first we're time more in energy five years. We are more energy dependent today. Look that up. It's a fact. And if you no, 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 no it's just factually untrue. Joe Biden what? is unilaterally I, disarmed. I encourage the people watching. Look I this encourage up. Five point nine four quads. Google nine point five. Look at all the restrictions Joe Biden quads. has put we are on more oil energy and gas companies. Independent today under Biden. Pence doesn't know that. Your audience doesn't know that. More domestic oil production than any time in history. We're on pace this year. That's a fact. You guys keep making that up. No, we don't make it up. You're making it up. We're energy independent, and now we're we not. We are energy independent. No, we're not. Net energy no, exporters. we are not. Sean, this is going to be so much fun when this gets politicized tomorrow. And war. Go there. Look at all 5. the other restrictions. 5.94 quads. That's the margin. It's the highest margin of net energy export in America's history under the Biden administration. Right. I did have a little fun, and for once you actually got back to me. I can't I was, wait for PolitiFact tomorrow. There's going to be some fun. Politifact, why don't you go to the audience. Washington Post fact checker? Right, who right, needs there's to four be Pinocchios then coming your you way. You get four Pinocchios <laughs> your way. All right. I mean, I think like the Democrats can really use more people like Gavin Newsom because he he, he goes on like shows uh, on Fox and he's even opened up an account on Truth Social. That was Donald Trump's answer to Twitter. He has an account on there and he just trolls all of the posts on the on that site and like he's not afraid to he's not afraid to uh step into the lion's den says i, I in my own safe corner here on zoom I well you we do have, have to push back and, and uh, yeah we we definitely as a Demo, uh, as the democratic party we have we have um yeah I, you know i i i agree with the when they go low we go high but you know what? If you if you really want to get into the trenches, you really have to push back at these at these uh, at what the right is saying. Um, I personally uh, started a I, and Tom, you know this. I started the um, expel uh, expel Scott Perry, who's our Pennsylvania's tenth uh, district representative uh, f- uh, in Congress. Uh, for his uh, for his trying to uh, decertify Pennsylvanians' election of uh, Pennsylvanian votes in in the ballot in uh, 2020, and, and one of the things that uh, we decided to do was uh, on my Facebook page is 
when when uh, Republicans and uh, naysayers troll us, I allow them to troll. And then I just say, rather than troll us, why don't we just discuss this in a in a and you you find out what the facts are from us and you try to and 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 I try to I try to turn them. I, you know, I mean, it's it, it's it's what we have to do. You know, people people are just, uh, you know, when when people try not to, uh, when when we don't uh, communicate to each other, we're just letting them get more angry and angry and believe the 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 lies that they've been being they're being told by uh, by the by the maga maga people. Tired of relying on cable news networks and pundits to tell you what to think? Me too. So let's delve into the dumpster fire of what was once known as Twitter and see what a new Elon Musk-backed site promotes as political analysis from none other than O.J. Simpson. Hey, X-World, yours truly. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm going to talk about politics right now, about the debate last night. Uh, As I said before, I think everybody should be watching all of these debates. Uh, You should know who, um, who believes that they're capable of being the president of the United States. Well, last night, I got to admit, I was surprised by Nikki Haley. Uh, She showed a little fire and uh, for the most part, I agreed with just about everything she said. And uh, um, so, so once again, I think she won as far as I was concerned. Pence was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, like most Americans, I appreciate uh, that he did the right thing on the 6th. Um, but I'm a Christian, just like he's a Christian. And uh, I think you're supposed to be able to separate church from state. Somehow, I don't believe that he'll be able to do that. Like, he's criticizing someone for not being able to separate church and state. Like, he couldn't separate between marriage and domestic violence. Yeah, how about separating your wife's head from her body? He's that? Oh, he's a Christian? What? I'm so Listen, all you have to do to be a Christian is say you're one. That's, that's literally true. that's, that's the true. one required. Same with Mike Johnson. He's like, oh, I believe in the Bible. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, and they sure. kill people in the Bible. So I mean, from that perspective, he's no different from any hey, other. Person. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Let's all grow beards and beat our wives. Cheers. Oh. <laughs> I, can't believe, I can't believe the juice is uh, is trying to become a uh, a political pundit. It's ridiculous. He's a Haley supporter too. Like, oh my god! He went the sensible conservative route. Like, if if I'm Nikki Haley and like OJ Simpson says I'm full of fire, the last woman he liked, he murdered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He likes her until Nikki Haley picks a young, attractive uh, vice presidential candidate. Right. Then, then he's gonna sneak into her bushes and chop her head off. Good lord! <laughs> I lo- I love like how we're like, oh my god, OJ supporting a woman, like what a what an ally. <laughs> he's not supporting one; he's just picking his next victim. That's yeah, right. true. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Thanks. That's, that that's enlightening. That, yeah. that is. I have to know that now. <laughs> wow. I provide a public service. That's, yeah. that's really all I do. That one. 
One of the most vocal critics of children deciding what they want to read in schools themselves is Louisiana Senator John Kennedy, who sounds like President John Kennedy if, instead of being shot, he huffed wasp spray every day for 20 years. <laughs> in this clip, during a Senate hearing, we can hear him reading a very cringeworthy excerpt of an alleged controversial book. I, I confess I'm a little confused, and I appreciate the argument that that we've our discussion that we've been having but for me it's a little too conceptual or i don't know metaphysical or theological or whatever you want to call it i want to try to understand what you're asking us to do the second is a, a another much discussed book um i'm sure you're familiar with it it's called gender queer okay let me read an excerpt from that quote I got a new strap-on strap harness today. I can't wait to put it on you. It will fit my favorite dildo perfectly. You're going to look so hot. I can't wait to have your cock in my mouth. I'm going to give you the blowjob of your life. Then I want you inside of me. End quote. That video made my penis commit suicide but when's he going to start reading from the book <laughs> just sounded like a diary excerpt yeah. that's what it is actually give me 30 seconds oh, oh no <laughs> i hope she's getting the book <laughs> if not i will be very very upset that this is an audio only podcast they passed that book around at moms for liberty in baltimore as far as i know i'm not saying they do. i loved all of the words that he used at the beginning that was c-a-l geological geometrical whatever you want to call it like kitty what do you think his staff was doing what he said i'm gonna read out loud from the book you think they 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 told him it was a good idea yes because I, I think, know I I think they said i could have gotten a job at circle k and not face this much humiliation <laughs> all right did we get a page number for that <laughs> I, I i i don't have the the strap on scene dog-eared or anything <laughs> um, if i mean that was I'm my sure book I, I if that was my copy, copy i would of it, there's there's post-it notes where all the gay sex is. Um, well, Senator Kennedy definitely did his homework with that one. He was up reading all night. <laughs> Here's the thing. Okay, I've read this entire book. And, you know, I've only read it because of these idiots. Um, if it weren't for Moms for Liberty and, like, you know, guys like that and, you know, whoever else is, like, presented this book out of context... I would not know who this author is. Well, like, it's, this it's author not... is rich because of these Republicans. And it's the same thing with the uh, with with um, the Supreme Court overturning Roe. It was, interestingly enough, it's, this is, for, for lack of a better term, it's the, the one thing that made people really wake up to it. And that's what got abortion rights codified into law in a state like Ohio and Mississippi and and Kansas of all places. You don't expect that thing to win in a state like Kansas. Yeah, right. So I did actually just find the strap on scene. It's on page oh. one sixty six 
to 167. <laughs> um, spoilers. The next thing that happens is, you know, they, they, the author and um, this, this other partner go through with this, this sexting fantasy. They, they do do it. Um, and then the author is like, wait, this is not at all what I expected it to be. Um, hey, it never can we is, stop? To can be we fair. do something else? And then the other person's like, yeah, of course. And okay, one, I feel like that's actually objectively a really good message that you can just not want to and then call it off and your partner should be like very accepting of it. Two, if you can jack off to that, you should be on a fucking list. <laughs> <laughs> Like if so, if you're calling this porn, that that tells me a lot more about you than it does about anybody reading this book. Thank but you. maybe you can only do that if Senator Kennedy's reading it. Oh, <laughs> oh Jeff, where did that come from? <laughs> that made my penis commit suicide. <laughs> I want the audio version now of that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. There's AI technology, you guys. We can make this happen. <laughs> I don't think we need AI technology, thanks to that clip. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we, I think we might still need the eye part. I'm not seeing too much of the eye. <laughs> As parents are quick to hop on the latest bandwagon in terms of dictating what their children learn and where, their children are all too happy to clap back. As this TikTok shows us. Why is this school so persistent on telling girls to cover up when really guys should just keep it in their pants? This school is so headstrong on telling girls to, like, cover up their shoulders or, you know, stomach when those things are all pretty natural. I've talked to many girls in this school. If two girls come to school wearing the same top, you know, one girl has smaller cup size. Okay. The other one has bigger cup size. Okay. I've heard more girls with the bigger cup size get dress coded more than the smaller ones. Okay. It's completely sexist and biased and not okay. Mad props to her for clapping back at some of these people. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I get really tired of when, when lectures come in about how to prevent rape. How many more times is it directed to women? Don't do this. Don't have an extra drink. Don't go to here. Don't wear this. Don't do this. And I, I've seen a, um, a meme before where it comes up and says, here's the easiest way to solve rape. Men, don't rape anyone. You know? And who's making these decisions? It's all these old white, pervy old white guys ju judging what a 16-year-old's wearing. I it I had a group of middle school girls um, before who they were upset about a dress code that the principal of that school was trying to enforce. And the dress code the principal was enforcing was was not consistent with what the student handbook laid out. The student handbook is pretty vague. It's just like it can't be distracting or like dangerous or promote something illegal or hateful. Uh, so it can't have swastika or alcohol or both mm -hmm. um but there's like nothing against like spaghetti straps and short shorts and that's what this principal was um trying to enforce in the school where it was not consistent with the dress code and so um the girls wanted me to like sign a petition about it and i was like oh well 
hold on, what am I agreeing to by signing? And they were like, I'll walk out. And I was like, okay, well, I can't quite like walk out. And because uh, like I, I'm, I'm a Maryland teacher. I, we don't have a right to strike. Um, you do your thing though, but I do. What, have you tried talking to them about it? Like maybe you could just like try first, just see if they're in a good mood. Um, and plus you've got, you've gotten into a sling with administration before and you're really not looking to do that. Two years. Oh, ago. This was before my sling, actually. It might oh. have been the beginning of my sling, but okay. But really like I, because of this talk I had with these kids, the administration knew the walkout was coming instead of it just being sprung on them. It wasn't my idea. Um, they told me they were going to do it. And I was like, well, looking at the handbook, it looks like you're right about the dress code. It's not consistent. Um, like I can read that and see that you're right about that. And you do have a right to organize as a person. I'm suggesting that you talk to them first, because I think it'll go better for you. If you, if you like, go in soft and you try to reason with them first then if they don't meet your demands um you it says right here you have this right to do this i'm not going to stand in your way um and then i even told him i was like and also you can take that thing i just said and you can say get out of here i'm gonna walk out right now you have a right to do that um that's just my human to human advice and they they did they talked to the administrators and what they reported back to me that they got told was an administrator said to them, let me put the reason for the dress code like this. You can't expect a bear and a salmon to work in the same office and for the bear to not be tempted to eat the salmon. <gasps> what? So the it's the salmon. Used a, the fact that he used a fish metaphor just makes it all the more creepy. The fact that he quoted late comedian Patrice O'Neill. Oh no! So he's blaming and the that the, was the quote. So he's blaming the salmon for the bears' behavior. Maybe we should do something about the bears. I don't know, like, <laughs> or just pick a better comedian to quote. Right, there's plenty <laughs> others. <laughs> yeah, like those moms in Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a, a ba bad quotes bad, bad quotes review <laughs> one star don't recommend <laughs> it would have been a lot more effective if that administrator had um had had done what that dad did and just come to school in the outfit that would have been the way to go oh handmaiden's tail outfit oh i'm in favor of that yes yes we we can make this happen <laughs> In addition to working with patients and seeing that they're cared for, there's the dealing of red tape as well as the risks of burnout and even worse with nurses. It's not just taking to the streets that medical professionals use as a method to bring to light the arduous nature of their work. Some even take to social media to vent their work-related stress and air their grievances. In this clip, we get an analysis of one nurse's coping technique during her shift. This nurse has just lost a patient. Overwhelmed with emotion, she leans against the wall. Then she removes her mask and tries to shake it off. She still has five hours left in her shift. Her video is set to emotional music, and her camera is positioned to capture her movements perfectly. But today, the nurse finds herself under fire. Many people who've seen the video on social media are calling her self-promoting, and the video cringeworthy. Now the debate is raging. 
Did she go too far? I had a lot of people die on my watch during the pandemic, and this type of performative garbage makes me furious, says one healthcare worker. Let me set up the camera so I can cry, goes another edgy remark. It seems to be part of a growing trend. TikTok is filled with healthcare workers posting their anguish after a patient dies. This nurse sits on the floor lamenting the death of her patient. This healthcare worker is in the hospital parking garage, overcome by grief. Some comments are supportive. I'm sure it's hard to lose a patient. Sometimes you just want to feel seen. At the height of the pandemic, America fell in love with hero healthcare workers and their videos showing how they stayed upbeat during such harrowing times. So did this nurse go too far? We asked medical ethicist Professor Michael Gusmano. I don't think it rises to the level of being unethical. I thought it was probably mildly unprofessional and uh, a little bit attention-seeking. I just hope that the negative attention does not detract from the important work that nurses are doing. I do see a bit of a double standard where we think it's cute when we see like soldiers, you know, we see the military or the police do something like that. But when you see, but for some reason, if it's, if it's nurses, that seems to be, that seems to be the sticking point where is it, is it really bad if, if these types of things you know, humanize them? I think it kind of goes to, um, Nurses are, when I was first started as a nurse, I was taught you do not show emotion. You have to maintain calm in this facade at all times. You don't let anybody know your stress. So you learn to, the shit's hitting the fan, things are going on, and you don't show any emotion. You don't show any fear. Patient comes in, something's going on with them. You don't let them know that you are, because they need to know that you're in control and you know what's going on. But the problem is that it kind of helps to propagate that belief that everybody has that nurses aren't people. Something like this. She's not showing her patients. She's not showing, you know, a, a board or anything, showing anything with the patients. She's showing that this is stressful for her. And one of the biggest problems for nurses is I've been, you know, working and you work really hard on, you know, saving somebody's life and, you know, you lose that patient and sometimes they're young people and sometimes they're babies, you know, and you're expected to just go to your next patient. I mean, you just spent an hour trying to save, you know, somebody's life and it's like, okay, nope, they're dead. Okay. Finish the paperwork for them. And now go take care of this one who's coming in and you got to save that one's life. And you're not given usually a break to even process it or deal with it. You know, and it's hard. And as a nurse, you end up losing a lot of patients. That's not something that's unusual. So she took a few minutes. She went out in the hallway, you know, videotaping herself, whatever. But she's trying to show the world, hey, these things affect us too. We have feelings too. We're people too. But then once she finished that little TikTok video that she did, I'm sure she went back into her department right. and started trying to save somebody else's life or trying to help somebody else feel better. So what right. you're saying is it, it's what it, even... If you find it distasteful, even if you find it self-promoting, it's getting her through the shift. It's getting her through the day. It's getting her through what she's dealing with. So how can that be a bad thing? Well, the other part of it is that what it, it is how I mean, she was younger than you and I, Jeff and Lynn. Right. Mm -hmm. So this this is how 
that this generation and anybody on social media, this is how we share feelings. And every piece of social media is a little bit self-promoting. Every time we get on, we say or do a vid or post, it is, it's the way it is, but that's okay. Like, I mean, you, you can't then start judging what, you know, these things, she wasn't recording a, a stabbing or something. So I think she was sharing and it, who knows like if she had commentary after but then she will go and maybe see supportive comments and they might help her get through and often that's what people are doing there's tons of videos out there of people you know having a breakdown or crying or whatever their story is right and then when they read the comments that aren't hateful they feel lifted in some way and if that's what you need take it what are you kidding it's free it's free support Take it as much as you can. It's difficult to tell where downward trends in culture begin, much like a pandemic. For example, was COVID-19 created in a lab or was it because of me going to a witch doctor outside Wuhan where we sacrificed a bat in an attempt to make myself more virile? <laughs> an attempt which unfortunately didn't succeed. <laughs> we may never know the answer to that question, just as we may never know which country is to blame for the pandemic of seizure-inducing entertainment. In this clip, the American-based Max Network, formerly HBO Max, gives us a promo for a sensationalized dating show that originated in Europe, a show called Naked Attraction. Are you ready to play the game? Welcome to Naked Attraction, the dating show that likes to let it all hang out. Can picking a partner based solely on natural beauty help you find the one? <laughs> Bring it on. When we're entirely unfiltered, what do men and women really find attractive? We are going to reveal them to you bit by bit. Are you ready for this? I'm ready now for Mr. Wright. Really can't wait to see you with the clothes on. We like to start where a good date ends. Naked. Do you want to see a little bit more? <laughs> To be fair, I've had some bad dates that ended in nudity. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that's cool. I have I'm... watched that show. I know. I need to see what that's about. <laughs> I've watched it. I can't do it. Yeah. No. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, the only way it. I would do it, like, it would have to be under the condition that they would pay me so much that I could just afford to stay home and never be seen in public again. <laughs> that's, that's my only caveat. But Jamie, do they show everything? Yes. Like there's just... no fuzzy camera down? No, no, no. No, because it's on, yeah, that it's was on the... HBO Max. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and, and Gina, it's like seven seasons in the oh. UK of this. Oh, so um, I can go, I can like stream? Yeah, you can binge it too. Oh, yes. This sounds mindless. <laughs> uh, sign me up. Not to be on it, but I'll watch it. <laughs> That's super cool. Um, yeah. Plus, plus what they do, and I, I don't want to sound like an expert after watching two episodes of it, but uh, even if you've been eliminated because the uh, the 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 they fought, they don't like your ankles or they don't like something about you you still have to walk out 
in your all together. Ah. To show them what you're, what, what. Uh, everything is made of. Yeah. Yes. They want to show what you're missing. Wait, do, do is the face ever shown or no? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Can you see the face before you reject? No. 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 Oh, so it it's is. the last thing you see. Somebody. Yeah. That's the, pro- that's the point. Ah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Do you, oh. Technically, the personality is the last thing that you that you get yeah, to find. Yeah, right, 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 right. That's painful. Ooh, I mean, and before I don't know one that day, I would, anybody that would go on that show that that would be somebody that I would think would be quality marriage material. So, <laughs> right, right. And I mean, but anybody could go on a on a coffee like you. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't have to marry them. It's not like that love at marriage at first sight thing or whatever that is. You know. Yeah, I would, married at first yeah. sight. That's the show I watch. Okay. <laughs> I'm a 90 day girl. 90 day over here. <laughs> Not only do I watch it, I have a podcast about it. Oh my gosh. I want to be on a podcast and talk about dumb shows. <laughs> which I've 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 been on. And on that note, that's our show. I want to thank Jeff Heisen, Gina Brown, Chip Jones, and Lucy Strassball. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. But before we go, my final thought. Will the issues we discussed tonight be resolved on this podcast? No. However, at the rate things are going, we stand the best chance of coming up with the best solution for the Middle East better than any of this planet's top diplomatic negotiators. But will we be able to solve the issues going on right now? The answer is simply this. I don't know. Why the fuck are you asking me? I'm the host of a podcast that's able to operate solely because of Patreon contributions and the fact that this podcast also serves as a tax write-off. Stop asking me. One way to help bring about peace would be to hold a benefit concert in the region. Put all that hope for a desired outcome right where it belongs and where it's needed. And I have the perfect entertainment for it. No, not Bono, not U2, not even the very capable cast of the many Live Aid and Farm Aid concerts over the years. Personally, I think we should send Ted Nugent to perform. Uh. (laughs) And Jason Aldean will be his opener. Think about it. Send them to perform in the Middle East. At least their fans will be armed. (laughs) (laughs) Will something as simple as that solve the crisis in the Middle East? Probably not. But one thing is for sure. Ted Nugent and Jason Aldean will be out of this country. And that, in my mind, is contentment. And even, albeit temporary, peace. Good night. This episode was written and hosted by Tom Myers with panelists Jeff Heisen, Gina Brown, Light Kitty, Michelle Wojcikowski, Chip Jones, Lucy Strassball, David Kay, Jess Feeney, Alexa Shudo, Lynn Delmani, and Jamie Black. Theme music composed and arranged by Jeroen Vandenberg. Executive Producers, Tom Myers, Matt Connerton for IPM Nation, and Eddie Carson for Odyssey Radio. Please leave a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast's Patreon for ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, extended episodes, bonus clips, and more. Thank you for listening, and please visit TomMyers.us.
Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you want to listen to more of this episode, go ahead and subscribe to my Patreon. There you can get extended versions of episodes like this one, as well as bonus clips. You can even listen to regular episodes without all these pesky little ads through which you have to fast forward. Doesn't really cost that much. Plans as low as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Tom Myers, spelled M-Y-E-R-S. Show the love, subscribe, show your support today. That's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Hi everyone. I'm Orb. I am not the official spokesperson for Ugly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. A-A-Ron is tied up right now. Shut up, I'll untie you in a minute. Here at Oddly, we're producing some great shows. Bombing Run, where comedians compete to see who's Joker Ace. And Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a mix of comedy, uncomfortable questions, and music hosted by yours truly. When you think of comedy, think of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y, funny productions. Now, how do I get out of here? Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.